Curtin Cade mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Whenever we have the opportunity to talk about the Puritans, if you <laughs> listen to the show frequently, you know I am a big fan of their writings because they're so Christ-centered. They're just so Bible. It's just uh, the only way I can really describe it. I, I love Jesus more, and I learn a lot when I read the Puritans. And granted, some Puritans are easier to read than others. I would venture to say the most well-known of the Puritans and perhaps one of the easiest to read is John Bunyan. Yes, and Jacob Tanner, he wrote the book The Tinker's Progress about John Bunyan that makes you like him even more. You'll want to grab your copy of The Pilgrim's Progress. Wait a minute. You don't have a copy of The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan? <gasps> we have to remedy that, all right? So you can find a lot of different editions out there, modern English and, uh, you know, some of the uh, the classic ones as well. It's everywhere. You have to read this, guys, because it's the story of the life of each and every one of us as followers of Jesus from where we are today to where we will end up when we stand in the presence of the Lord. But learning more about the life of John Bunyan really gives us an even deeper appreciation for the books that he wrote, including The Pilgrim's Progress. Hey, Jacob, we love the Puritans around here, so you're in good company. Hey, praise the Lord, and thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You know, I just want to say off the top, my grandma, my Grammy was from Ireland, and they used to talk about how uh, poor is a tinker. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. That a tinker. was still a thing. The, the name of the book <laughs> yeah. is The Tinker's Progress. So what was a tinker? Kind of like a blacksmith guy? Uh, kind of. So a tinker was somebody who kind of went around the countryside and would repair pots and pans. So it wasn't it wasn't a very lucrative job. And typically they didn't have a regular place to stay either. So a lot of the time tinkers were compared to gypsies. If your listeners are familiar with gypsies, kind right. of like these traveling bands of individuals who didn't have very much money. And so one of the common insults that was hurled at Bunyan was not only that he was a tinker, but that he may have been a gypsy as well. Well, his background, let's just kind of do a flyover, a very humble background and, um, you know, God's grace to the chief of sinners. And let's chart his spiritual progress. Obviously, this is really, really important to put the pilgrim's progress in context. Right. Um, so Bunyan did not have, as you were saying earlier, a really college education. But on top of that, growing up, he really didn't have much of a religious education either. There was, of course, the typical, you know, we go to church on Sunday mindset, even back then. But his parents weren't really leading him in the ways of godliness. There, there wasn't really any Christian virtue being taught to him. And so, in his own words, he says that he was, like the Apostle Paul, the chief of sinners. And he was engaged in some, some very sinful behavior. Probably the most sinful of all was his speech. And one of my favorite stories from the life of Bunyan comes from when he's a little bit older. And he is walking through the town square. He's actually married at this point, if I remember correctly. And he is just kind of cursing up a storm. He is swearing like crazy. And he walks by the home of a woman who is known to be, in his own words, loose. And he says of this woman that when she heard him, she basically says to him, and this is my paraphrase updated into 
21st century century vernacular. She basically says to him, do you kiss your mother with that mouth? How, how <laughs> yeah. putrid, how, how wretched, how filthy. And this is your a woman with is. a mouth, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. She she was known to be kind of the the woman in town who, who spoke her mind, but also swore quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. And and when that rebuke came to Bunyan, it was one of those wake up calls where he realized if she's looking at me and she's saying that I'm sinning, I must really be sinning quite a bit right now. And that was one of those those real wake up calls that began to really draw him to Christ. It was one of those moments in his life where God actually used shame, godly shame, to draw Bunyan to redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well. Perhaps one of his most famous books, other than the uh, Pilgrim's Progress, is uh, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. This That's is right. not easy uh, to, to read, Jacob, this, this book, because he is agonizing in his soul. Really, it is a, a diary of that time of him uh, you know, embracing the grace given to us through Jesus Christ and yet mm-hmm. doubting its back and forth, back and forth. And in reading this, we can identify with the struggle, but it can be exhausting from the inside out. It's one of those interesting books. Yeah, it's, I think, in the same vein as something like Augustine's Confessions, where what you have is an individual going back over their life and painstakingly looking at themselves from a spiritual perspective and wondering, am I saved? Am am I going to go to heaven? Am am I going to go to hell? What do I need to do to be saved? And I think what makes it what makes it so helpful even to this very day is that many of us have gone through the same thing. Um, many of us have experienced that that sort of questioning of what do I need to do to be saved, especially depending on your church background, especially depending on if you're like Bunyan and you weren't really in church all that often. It really is a terrifying question to wonder, am I under the wrath of God? And is there something that I need to do to remove God's wrath from me? And what makes it so compelling, I think, is that Bunyan eventually comes to recognize the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes to realize that I don't need to work for this. I don't need to try my very best to be saved. What I need to do is come to Jesus. What I need to do is repent of my sins and trust in him, and he will freely embrace me as his own. And rather than working for my salvation, I can rest in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has already purchased my salvation, who has already finished the work. And then, rather than working for my salvation, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, will begin to produce fruit of salvation within my life. And really, that's exactly what happens for John Bunyan. As he is saved, what you see is this total transformation of the man from the inside out, so that he turns from not just sin, but he turns from this this lack of education to suddenly he's producing some of the greatest Christian works of all time. It is truly all to God's glory. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. from beginning to end. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. You know what I love about this one, um, uh, Jacob, is that I got to like him. I mean, he, he, he looked, he seemed like 
from reading this, like just one of the, a guy like you gotta love because he's just so in, is as enthusiastic as he was in his sin. He's that much for God, and it's like he doesn't care. He'll speak the truth. It almost seemed like he joyfully, although not probably not joyfully, but with some happiness in his heart said, no, I got to stay in in jail because I would go out and preach the gospel anyway. I That's would. The deal. You Let's, know, it's like, and you got to love wonderful. that, that I know, this is a passion yeah. of the Lord, which really kind of helps us when we read about life yes. like this, Kate. Yeah. It stokes our own passion for yes. Jesus. Jacob, tell us about how he ended up being in jail. And can I just say, I see uh, some parallels between John Bunyan and the Apostle Paul, because Paul was in jail a lot mm-hmm. as well. But these guys didn't waste their time with self-pity and moaning. They used that time, believing it was God's providence they were there, to write. And actually, the Pilgrim's Progress was written when he was in jail. That's right, yeah. Um, so to, to make the, the long story short, and you could read about the full story in the book, I guess. Uh, the short version of it is that Bunyan did not have a license to preach from the Church of England. And, and the main reason for that really is because he was uneducated. And so he felt compelled to, to preach. And that really is the great thing about him. Even as they tell him, you know, just stop preaching and we won't arrest you. Bunyan <laughs> says, no, you might as well arrest me because I'm just going to go back out and do it anyway, which is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and it really is one of those things that I think emboldens us when we read it, because for the most part, probably the majority of people listening to this are not going to face jail time, at least not today, for proclaiming the gospel or preaching the gospel. But what an encouragement it is to know that there have been saints throughout history who have been willing to endure extreme persecution years and years in jail for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is really probably Bunyan's lasting legacy, Yeah, that he joyfully served the Lord. Yeah, go ahead. And you said he was like only a Christian for like 20 years of his life or something, and 12 (laughs) of those were in prison. Yeah, he made the most of it, that's for sure, there's no doubt. You know, it's a a great point that if you redeem the time, you make most of the time because the days are evil, as Ephesians 5 says, it's amazing what God can do with our lives. And Bunyan, again, is a prime example of that. So yeah, he was only saved for about 20 years. He died pretty early on. But what he produced during that time is a lasting legacy unto the glory of God. And so as we were saying, while he was in prison, he was actually writing. He was spending his time serving the Lord. So he was writing letters. He was writing to his church. And of course, he penned his most famous work of all, The Pilgrim's Progress. And it really is like one of the Apostle Paul's letters, because when you read, for example, Philippians, it's hard to keep in mind that Paul is writing this letter from prison and because there's such joy in him as he's doing it. Mm. And really the yes. Pilgrim's Progress reminds me of the same thing. It's yeah. hard to remember that he's sitting in a dirty, dank prison cell writing one of the greatest Christian novels of all time. Yeah, it's an allegory for those who haven't ever read The Pilgrim's Progress. There are many editions available. Some are modernized to help you understand it a little bit better, but I I really prefer the original, but that's just me. For those, um, Jacob, who don't know what the story is all about, and it's, it's really the story of Christian as he walks through this life on his way to heaven. It unfolds and, and there are adventures and a lot of adventures. And of course, you've got the gospel 
uh, on display there. So kind of give us a synopsis of, of the book for those who have not read it. So it is, as you said, an allegory. And really what Bunyan attempted to do was write an allegory of the life of every Christian. So it begins with this main character, Christian, in the city of destruction. And whenever I've taught this before, I've taught it through church or to young adults, one of the questions I always get is, why would anybody want to live in the city of destruction? And I, it's kind of on the nose at certain points. But the main reason why Bunyan does that is because he wants us to see that apart from Christ, we are living in the city of destruction. And so what happens to this main character, Christian, is he begins a journey, and the journey is going to take him all the way to the celestial city. So basically, it's going to take him to heaven. And along the way, he's carrying this terrible burden upon his back, and he, he just he's carrying it, but there's nothing he can really do to get the burden to, to fall away. And that becomes a depiction then of the sin and the guilt that we carry before we come to Christ. And so one of the things that Jesus, of course, calls us to do is come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's one of the main pictures. That's probably my favorite picture, actually, from the Pilgrim's Progress, that picture of Christ lifting that burden from our shoulders. But there's a lot that transpires in between uh, Christian leaving the city of destruction and making his way to the celestial city. I try to encourage especially young people and students to read The Pilgrim's Progress because if you like action, if you like a main character fighting, what kind of amounts to a dragon monster of some sort, well, that's there in The Pilgrim's Progress. If you're more romance inclined, well, guess what? That's also there in The Pilgrim's Progress. If you like tales of the hero's journey, read The Pilgrim's Progress. Honestly, I think The Pilgrim's Progress has something in it for every single reader. And there's also two parts to it. So, don't just stop on part number one. I know a lot of people have. Don't just read part one. You have to read part two as well to get the full story of what Bunyan's trying to show you is the life and legacy of the one who follows Christ. Wow, this is good. I want to talk about John Bunyan's daughter, Mary. She mm -hmm. was born blind, yeah. and she kind of had a special place maybe in her father's heart because when he was arrested for unlawful preaching— uh, Mary travels the streets of Bedford, England, each day bringing soup to the prison. I mean, this is just heartwarming stuff. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you look at the cover of the Tinker's Progress, and this wasn't my doing. This was Christian Focus, and I'm very thankful for it. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful painting. The painting depicts Bunyan actually sitting in his prison cell writing. And yes, his daughter Mary was permitted to come in to enter the prison and to spend some time with him. So I think when we think of prisons today, we think of, you know, confinement. People aren't really allowed in all that easily. But it was a little bit different in Bunyan's day. And on top of that, it seems that Bunyan actually received certain perks and privileges not afforded to others. And part of that was really because the prisoners loved Bunyan. So they let him get away with a lot of things that maybe others wouldn't have been able to get away with. But yes, his daughter Mary was born blind. And in the 1600s, that, that was massive. I mean, can you imagine 
having to walk around in a day and age where you really don't know, is there going to be an animal that could leap out and attack me? Is there going to be a band of, of angry villagers coming after me because of my father's work? What, what exactly is going to happen? But what you see in Mary is that same sort of boldness, same sort of courage, and same sort of joy that was in her father, John. And so as she would make her way to the prison, this became one of his his delights, this time that he would be able to spend with his daughter. And yeah, she would bring him soup, she would bring him different food, and they would spend time together. Sometimes there was a wall separating them, sometimes she was allowed into the prison, but they would spend this time together. And really their their entire motive for all of this, the reason why Mary did this is because she believed that what her father was doing was important. She believed that serving Christ was the most important thing any one of us could do. And that, I think, is a wonderful encouragement to those of us with children, that God is going to utilize what we teach our children to not only train them up, but to train up future generations as well. And so everything we do has has lasting impact and value. And I think the relationship between John and his daughter, Mary, really reveals that to us. We have to let you go. We're coming to the end of uh, end of the hour. We could keep going on and on and on. Yeah. But if you could kind of sum everything up for us, kind of a big takeaway as we launch into this Thursday, Maybe a lesson or two from the life of John Bunyan that we can embrace ourselves as followers of Jesus. Yeah, that sounds great. So I think one of the most important things to learn from the life of John Bunyan is that it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, he receives you and he transforms you and he redeems you. And the Bible tells us that in Philippians 1.6, the work that he begins in you, he will bring to completion. And that really is the testimony that Bunyan leaves behind for us. He was perhaps one of the most unlikely of Christian converts. He was even more unlikely to become a famous author. And yet we see that the way the Lord used him was absolutely amazing. And so his own autobiography was entitled Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. Of course, that's drawn from Scripture, from the life of the Apostle Paul. But what an amazing testimony it is. And I hope and pray that everybody listening to this can say the same exact thing, that the grace of the Lord abounds to the chief of sinners, and that I was the chief of sinners, and you were the chief of sinners, but God, by his grace, saved us. And what an encouragement that is to to see that in Bunyan's life and to know that we can have that same thing. Thanks, Jacob, for being with us. It's been fun. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Curtain Cape Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.